0: Thanks for listening to The Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. Oh man, who's excited to be in God's house today? Make some noise. I got, I got news for you. If you showed up today, if you weathered that storm, if you got to the parking lot and there was a torrential downpour, you was deciding whether to drive back to your house or not, and you decided to come into the house anyway, I got news for you. God's about to do something you ain't ready for. If you braved all of that, and you still here, God wanted you here. Because he wants to send you home with something. Amen? How many of you believe that God's going to give you more than you bargained for? Come on, I always believed that. Mm-mm-mm. Man, thank you for showing up. Thank you for coming. Thank you for braving the elements to get here. Uh, if you're online, you didn't brave any elements. But thank you for turning on your computer. Thank you for watching. <laughs> no, man, you family wherever you are, but I, I want to thank you. My name is Terrence, one of the pastors here at Cool Church, and on behalf of the entire family, I want to welcome you. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here. And for that, I'm, I'm thankful, and uh, I'm blessed to leave one of the greatest places of worship in all the world, Cool Church. I love y'all. Y'all are amazing. Give yourself a round of applause. You guys all, awesome. You know you love Jesus. When you just got your hair did and you come in the rain anyway, when you allow that lace front, when you allow the lace to curl up a little bit in the front, I know you love Jesus. We ain't gonna judge you today. It's raining outside. We ain't gonna judge you. Just, just glue it back on. Just, just, just pat it down. We ain't gonna judge you today. It ain't your fault. The weather's not on your side today. <laughs> oh man, I'm so glad to be here. Um, this is a brand new season, um, heart for the house season. So, what all the graphics and stuff mean it means heart for the house. I, how many of y'all were here last week? Yeah. I, I preached a message called "After the Rain" and it's raining again. Here we go. After the rain, I never want you to look at rain um, with a with. A, uh, a, a sorrowful heart again because after the rain, the harvest is coming. The ground's always the most fertile after the rain. Sometimes we don't want to we don't want to give the rain its props and its dues, but things can't grow without the rain. Amen? So I'm thankful for the rain today and every day that it falls because as long as there's seed time and harvest, as long as the earth endures where there is seed time there will always be a harvest amen? amen amen um today i'm kicking off this six-week series uh and honestly it's gonna be like a bible study of the uh the book nehemiah we're going old testament y'all ready for it i love the new testament but man there's some stuff in the old testament that we just can't forget about because if you're actually reading your word the right way jesus is in all of this it's not just in the new testament he The Bible actually says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. When Luke writes that, he's talking about Jesus is the living word of God. He was there in the beginning. He's there in the middle. And trust me, he's going to be there in the end because he's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. Everything in this book, every chapter, every book, every line, every verse, every paragraph is trying to point you in one direction. And his name is Jesus. So I hope that as we're studying something in this Old Testament, you see the new revelation that Jesus wants to show you about who uh, he is. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn this, this will be our theme verse uh, for this, the rest of this next six weeks for this this series. Um, Nehemiah chapter two verses 1 through 5. Nehemiah 2, 1 through 5. Nehemiah is after uh, Ezra. Uh, Ezra and Nehemiah lived at the same time. Ezra was the priest. Nehemiah was the governor. I'll get more into that uh, as we go on. Um, But yeah, uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. and it read something like this. If you don't have your Bibles, you can look on the big screen behind me. The big Bible up there will have it. Or you could use your Cool Church app. How many Cool Church app users are out there? Come on, wave at me. Come on. Yeah, I like that. Who still is old school like me? You still got a big old leather-bound body. Let me see. Wave it at me. Come on. Gee, oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's good. Can't cast out a demon with an iPhone now. You definitely can't cast one out with an Android your battery dies what you gonna do in the name of g oh sorry let me go get a charger it don't work get a bible i'm just kidding use your phones it's fine 2022 use your phones um nehemiah 2 verses 1 through 5 read like this in the month of the nissan pathfinder no it doesn't say that it says in the month of nissan it's a joke it's a terrible joke i'm a dad i'm full of dad jokes In the month of Nisan, (laughs) in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, this is Nehemiah talking because he was the cupbearer, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad? when you are not ill. I know that this is talking about an earthly king, but I want somebody to know out there that King Jesus knows when you're sorrowful. He sees you in your sorrow, and he cares about the things that you care about. If you believe that, say amen. He says, this can be nothing but sadness of heart. This is what the king is telling Nehemiah. Nehemiah said, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? That's some bold words to tell the king. The king said to me, what is it you want? Then, I love this, I prayed to God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. And the church said, and the church said, if you're taking notes on this first message in the heart for the house series, I've I've entitled it this, pray to build. Pray to build. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. For this is the day that you have made. God, let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every human that was going to be in this place today. God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, I pray that you open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a word that's always gonna be about Jesus pray your son introduces himself to people that don't know him and reintroduces himself to people that have known him but have been far from him. Let them know it's okay to come home. Pray that guilt and shame won't hold them back from the relationship that your son died for. I pray these things and I pray once again that this will be the greatest season of victory we ever experience. God, we love you. We praise you. I pray for the one. The one that needs to hear this the most. In Jesus name. And everybody said? Everybody said? Somebody give Jesus one more shout of praise in this place. Heart for the house. Seven years ago, me and my wife did something extraordinary. It was great for us. We purchased our first home. You should clap there. You could. Don't hate. Got to... You got to celebrate. You want God to do stuff, and you celebrate when other people get it. We bought a house seven years ago. See, I just want to see if you was paying attention. I, I, I love my house. I love it, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. HGTV, like Mr. DIY. Man, I'm trying to do everything that I, I, I can. I love designing, um, and I, I just, I love, I love, I love being home. If you're a homebody like me, make some noise. People be like, T, let's go out. I'm like, nah, you can come to the crib, though. Like, I, lo- I, lo- I love my house because, like, you know how it is. Like, you got, you got favorite spots in your house. We got a sectional in my living room, and, and, and nobody else in the house is allowed to sit in the corner of that sectional. That is my space. My imprint is in that space. It is a holy space you must take your sandals off when you go there for it is holy ground. (laughs) It's very sacrilegious. Okay. (laughs) I love my house. I I love the things in my house. I love being at my house. I love love my house because I love what my house represents. Like, when I'm in my house, I start thinking about all the things that have happened in that house in the last seven years. I, I mean, my best memories are there. The house has provided us protection. We've been through a few hurricanes uh, in that house. So it always protects us from the storm. Uh, 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 I love that, y- you know, w- we, have, we have a fence surrounding our house. So not only does it provide um, protection from the elements, it provides protection from people. Move to a neighborhood that we thought would be really safe, Hollywood, AKA, I call it Hollywood. <laughs> I love my neighbors. We all look out for each other, but I love my house because I feel like my house has provided protection from the elements and protection from those that would try to harm us. I believe that my wife and my daughter and my mother-in-law are safe as we all live in this house. I I love my house because it provides equity. We purchased our house seven years ago. Our, our house is worth two and a half times more than what we paid for it today than we did seven years ago. My house is like a bank. If I need money, just pull it out of the house. I love it. We've made investments based upon the equity in our house. I love that place. There's joy in my house. Like, I love it because all of the holidays, man, we've had seven years of holidays, seven, seven Thanksgivings. Hallelujah. It is on the way. I'm going to eat myself sick this Thanksgiving. <laughs> seven Christmases, man. And I love it because I get to watch like my baby girl grow up through all all the Christmases. I love when all all the other uh, kids uh, come over and instead of enjoying the gifts that their parents got them, they play with the boxes in that house. All the memories, man, I I love it. I love all the birthdays in that house. Man, I remember that first year we moved there and it was my wife's birthday. She was turning 25 for the time. And man, I did everything so I could throw the best birthday, the best backyard birthday party, y'all. You remember that party? Had a DJ in the treehouse. It was dope. I loved it. Said, so y'all got a treehouse? Yeah. That's why I sleep when I'm not doing well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love the growth that's happened in that house. Like I, I, lit- I literally have watched my 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 daughter just grow up in in that space. We moved there. When she was five, and now she's twelve, man, I've seen her finish elementary school. She's in the midpoint of her middle school years, and I've just literally watched her spring up and grow in that house. I, I, too, have I have grown not vertically. I have grown this way, and I have I have leaned back this way. But I have grown in and out in the house. It's <laughs> growth in the house. I, I, I love it because. Not only was there growth in that house, there's been opportunity in that house. We literally grew our business. If you don't know, my my wife and I were creatives and have a branding slash fashion company called Cool Creative. And I love it because, man, that house provided us with a garage so we can grow our business. And I love it because we grew from a garage all the way to a storefront in Miami to having clothes all the way in Tokyo and having clothes in Macy's all over the United States of America. But it happened in that house. I love it because the very first seeds for this church were planted in that house. The very first meeting we ever had was around our dinner table. There were 12 different couples that came and it happened at that house. Opportunity was in the house. I love my house because I love what it represents. And when I think about all that God has done in my house, It makes me want to take care of the house more so that God can continue to bless what we steward. I'm like, when I think about everything that God's done there, why would I ever, why would I ever not want to invest in a place where God has grown us? I love what 1 Corinthians says when the Apostle Paul talks about growing the church. He had planted so many different churches. And in 1 Corinthians 3.6, he says it like this. He says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered the seed. But God is the one that makes it grow. What was the Apostle Paul trying to tell us? He says, God will bless the things that you steward. God will grow the things that you take care of. And as we take care of our house, I've seen the growth in our lives and I've seen the growth of people attached to us. Why? Because we're taking care of the thing that God has blessed us with. We are called to steward. God is the one that brings the growth. Now that you've heard me talk about my house so passionately, let me ask you this cool family. If cool church is your house, what do you think about when you think about this place? And what would you give to continue to see it grow? Let me ask, I'm just curious. How many of you would raise your hand and say, this is your very first year at Cool Church? Just raise your hand, first year Cool Church. Wow, a lot of new people, praise God. How many of you would raise your hand and say, this is your second year at Cool Church? Let me see, let me see. Yep, 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 yep. See, you see. If you're online, you can raise your hand, but I won't see it. How many of you been here from the beginning? All three and a half years? wow, wow. So we got a lot of family in this house. So as we enter into this heart for the house season, you're, you're not shocked by what I'm saying right now because if you've been with us from the beginning, this is something that we do every year. And if this is your very first time here, I want you to understand the sermon is still for you What I'm gonna ask the people that call this place home to do is different than what I'm gonna ask of you, but I promise you, you will still see Jesus in this message. Because here's what I know. If you wanna be a part of a blessing, then be part of a blessing. Doesn't matter how long you're a part of someplace, if you wanna be a part of it, be a part of it. But. If you did show up today and this is your first time, I'm not going to lie to you, this is a little bit of a housekeeping message. This is a message directed at the people that would call this place home. Let me ask you, if you've been here from the first day to now, if you've been blessed in this house, raise your hand. God's done something for you. So if God has done something for you, if you've learned more about the Bible in this house, raise your hand. If somebody's prayed for you in this house raise your hand if you got relationships with people in this house that you did not have before you got here raise your hand people you could trust people you could talk to people you could look at raise your hand right so that means that you got memories in this house you're attached to this house because you have relationship with the house So, if you got relationship with the house, then I have to ask you, what would you give to see this house grow? Once a year. Once a year. And you, you listen, here's, here's how I am with this. I know people, people don't like to come to church because like, pastor's always talking about money. That's, that's not, one, usually the people that say that have never given anything in church. It's me being petty, I'm just saying it. but. The other part about it is, if you've been here long enough, God's going to take care of this place whether you give or not. Because it ain't mine. It's His. I believe that with every fiber of my being. So I'm not going to stand here and beg anybody for anything. This is God's house. He's going to take care of it. But if you know us by now, once a year, Once a year, we ask people to give over and above to the work of God's house. Last year, we asked people to give because we wanted to build something called the cool house. And we built a version of the cool house that now resides in the center of Miramar. And the church said, so it's not like we like looking for money and then we are here spending it on, you know, candy and unicorns. I don't even know what that means. But we're doing the work in the community that needs to be done. Right? So, because it's hard for the house season, and I believe that this will be the greatest season of victory and harvest that we've ever experienced, and I believe it's gonna happen for all of us, once a year we ask people to give over and above their normal tithe and offering to ensure the future vision and mission of the house. The mission of this house will always be to build strong families to build strong futures, amen? You wanna build strong families to build strong futures, but guess what? So- the lights got to stay on. We got to rent facilities like this one. We have to pay to actually give people in the community free stuff. Like I hear them talking about candy for FamFest. Where do you think that candy's coming from? Santa Claus ain't going to sprinkle it down on us. We got to give to continue to do the work of the community. And the church said, to have a heart for the house, is to have a heart that longs to build what God wants to build. What does God want to build? His church. His church. How do you know that, pastor? You just saying that so I could give more to the church? No, Matthew 6, 18 says, and I tell you that you are Peter. This is Jesus talking to one of his disciples. And he says, and on this rock, I will build my what? And the gates of hell will not overcome it. Jesus Christ literally died to empower the disciples to build his church. He loves the house so much. Not only did he build it with his disciples, he sacrificed himself for it. For Ephesians 5.25 says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If you want to know what Jesus' agenda was while he was here, he was trying to build something that would last long after his physical body left this earth, the church. He wasn't just trying to build cool church either. My wife already alluded to it. He was trying to build the capital C church all over the world that would help those that could not help themselves, that would help people that weren't in a relationship with anybody, the disenfranchised, the the, the downtrodden, the people that nobody was praying for, the people that get cast aside. The church is supposed to step in and be the answer for the people that nobody else will be an answer for. Jesus Christ said, I got to multiply myself within my brothers and sisters so that they could do the work that I was doing. Actually, he says, you will do greater things than he did when he was here. So I must multiply myself in them to get the work done. So I want to build this thing called the church. So that my brothers and sisters will get victory. How do I know that? Because it says the gates of hell will not overcome it. Listen, the devil may try you, but he cannot defeat you. Why is he trying you? Because you decided to be a part of the thing that Jesus wanted to build. He's going to try you, but he cannot overcome you. He cannot overcome you in Jesus' name. Jesus loves the church, God's house, and God's people. So much, he was willing to die for, and we are called to be his bride and submit all that we are to him. The truth is, though, you'll never give to something you don't have a heart for. You just won't. You won't. I, 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 don't, I, I don't care how generous you think you are. You give to things that you actually have a heart for. I'm not even saying all the things that you give to are good because someone's got a heart for some crazy stuff but you will always give to the things that you have a heart for. And this is why we're leaning into Nehemiah in this heart for the house season. I love him because he was a governor. We'll read about that a little later as we continue to move forward in this book. But before that, he was um, a cupbearer, And after the Jews returned from a 70 year exile from their homeland, this man of God, he had such a heart for God's people and God's presence and places that meant something to God. His heart was literally broken when he returned from this exile. He loved God and his people so much, it literally brought him to tears. The Bible says he cried and he fasted about it when he asked, hey, How's our home? How's how's the city of Jerusalem doing? How's it doing? He asked one of his brothers. They're like, man, it's not good. The walls are torn down. It's terrible. The Bible literally says that Nehemiah was brought to tears when he heard that the walls of the city were torn down. And over the next six weeks, I want to look at Nehemiah to understand what kind of heart do you have to have to build the things that are important to God? What kind of heart do you have to have? See, before Nehemiah ever laid a single physical stone to build something great for God, he laid his foundations with the foundation that I want to set this whole thing up with. He laid his foundation on one thing, prayer. One of the very first things you read in Nehemiah is a prayer. Before you can build something great for God, its foundation must be in prayer. Prayer must be the first stone you lay. You won't listen. You won't even give with the right heart until you pray. You won't build anything great if its foundation is not on prayer. As we go throughout this series week after week, we're going to literally build something great for God, but if this is not the foundation, I don't want to build it. There's been a lot of great things that are built but they give no glory to God because their foundations are not correct. You can build something great, but if it's not built on the thing that God wants it to be built on, I promise you it won't last. I have not given my life at 41 years old into eternity to build something that I don't believe will last. I'm trying to build something for our kids. Trying to build something for our children's children. The only way we can build something on earth as it is in heaven that will last for all of eternity is if we build it on the building block of prayer. Prayer must be the foundation, the first stone, because your heart won't even be moved to give if you don't give with the right heart. Prayer puts your heart into the right perspective. Can I build anything great for God without prayer? Today, I want to answer the question. How do you pray when you want to build what God wants to build? So there's three things, and the first is this. Pray with the right heart. Pray with the right heart. Look at look what happens. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Here we go. We're getting into Bible study. You ready for Bible study? Here we go. Nehemiah 1, 1 through 4. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year you know what kislev means you know what the month of kislev is you are gonna get excited when i say you know what it is in the hebrew calendar the month of kislev is guess what month the ninth month what did we talk about last week what does nine mean in the spirit it means finality It means something is finished. It means something has passed through the fullness of its time. I already told you, women carry children for how long before their birth? Nine months. It just so happens that when we pick up this story about Nehemiah, the Bible wants us to know that it's in the ninth month because before Nehemiah could do something new, something had to end. God was like, I'm done. This exile is over. My people must be rebuilt and I will first start with this wall. But I need somebody that is sick or tired of being sick and tired. I need somebody that's done with the nonsense. I need somebody that's tired of the last season and excited for the next season. So he finds Nehemiah in the ninth month the ninth month in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa. Hanei, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province Uh, back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall, listen, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, this is Nehemiah telling us how he felt. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. First thing he did when he heard it. He cared enough to ask, hey, how are my people doing? How's the city doing? Everything's burned down. People people are a mess. Like, it's not good, his brothers told him. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Let me give you a little context on Nehemiah. So the reason that the Jews had to go into exile in the first place is because they were disobedient. They were being warned since the time of Moses. Y'all need to get y'all act together. God's done all this for you. He he got you out of being in bondage. You were an enslaved people. God freed you. They wanted to make golden calves. They were doing all kinds of nonsense. Finally, they get to the uh, promised land with Joshua and and they want want kings. God's like, I'm your king. They was like, no, we want a king that's a man. So they go through all these different lists of kings. King David, King Solomon. King Solomon builds this beautiful temple. The people are still cutting up and all these corrupt kings are are serving other gods and worshiping other gods gods and doing all kinds of madness, and God's like, I'm done. I told y'all. I tried to give you an opportunity to get it right, and time after time after time again, they repented, they went back to the nonsense. They repented, they went back to the nonsense. God's like, you know what? I told y'all what was going to happen. God has to keep his word. He is not a man that he should lie. So finally, he sends King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonian Empire, and they literally, they take all of the Hebrews captive into Babylon they take the best and brightest of them like Daniel Shadrach Meshach and Abednego they make some of them eunuchs because the closer you were to the king and his queen this is the things that they would do to you to keep you in line and keep you in check to make sure you're not doing something funny in the household they take the best and the brightest of them and they would work them and, and, and they took them from their homeland and then they went to their homeland and they desecrated their homeland. They burnt the walls down. The beautiful temple that David gave all his money for and Solomon built up with his own hands was burnt to the ground. And king after king ruled over them. King Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, ba- there were many different kings that, that came and eventually the Persian Empire overthrew the Babylonian Empire. King Cyrus of Persia, he overthrows them. And this takes place after 70, seven 0 70 years of captivity. They got so used to being in, in, in captivity, God was like, hey, get comfortable here. Make homes here, plant gardens. You might, as- hey, even in captivity, you can prosper with me because I still love you. I ain't forget about you yet. But he's like, get comfortable here because you're going to be here for a while. They were here for 70 years. Finally, King Cyrus of Persia comes in and he begins to free the people and send them back to their homeland. They come back in three different ways from exile after 70 years. Nehemiah, at the time, um, after King Cyrus, other kings that came, but King Artaxerxes comes along and Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king, so he's kept in the palace. Um, He acts as an advisor because he had the ear of the king, but he was also the cupbearer to the king. Um, Over time, he will become a governor. We'll read more about that in a sec, but there was another young man named um, Ezra who would have been a priest at the time, who was around when the exile was over. And Nehemiah and Ezra worked very closely Together, so Nehemiah, while he's in the king's palace, he asks when he sees his brother, who has just come from um, Jerusalem, which had been the capital city of Judah. This is this is the Mecca. This is this is where he wants to be. He's living in the king's palace, but he longs to be home. I'm just trying to give you context because I want people read verses and they don't give you no history behind it. And the church said, "Okay, so." He asked his brothers, how's everything going? It's like, man, that's not good. He's like, the walls, the wall. If you know anything about walls to a city, what were walls? Just like my fence, they were protection. Because the city had no walls, literally invaders could come in, they could loot, pillage, and plunder. Nobody's family was safe. People's children and wives could have literally been taken from them, because they had no fortified structure to defend the city. So people were literally going into Jerusalem and desecrating it because there was nothing surrounding it to protect it. And Nehemiah, he's sitting up in the palace living the best life he can live and he hears back home is just a mess. It's like, man, I want to do something, but I'm so far away and his heart begins to break. The Bible says that he wept and fasted. He was a crybaby like me. I like Nehemiah because he has a heart for it. I, I love this because Nehemiah reminds me of a verse that I've read so often that Nehemiah didn't write, King David did. And it's Psalms fifty-one, seventeen. He says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken spirit and a contrite heart you, God, will never despise. A broken spirit and a contrite heart. Because of this verse, At the heart of it, we pray things like this. This is a prayer I pray every day of my life. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. You wanna walk around and be sad all the time? No, I wanna be moved by the things that move the heart of God. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Here's what you have to understand. And this is what Nehemiah understood. And if you get nothing else from this message, I want you to get this right here. The truth is, you cannot do a great work in God until God has done a great work in you. It's impossible to do a great work in God until God has moved something in you. People don't just wake up and say, I want to change the world until something moves them something has to move you so people ask me all the time they always ask me pastor how do i figure out my purpose how do i know what what to do in life how do i pray about my purpose i say this you have to pray the things in your heart that are the most broken pray the broken places in your heart because the things i want the most and the things that i pray the most for is the things that god has already broken my heart for Working in your purpose or operating in your purpose of operating in the things that move your heart. Like I'm called to build the church because my heart breaks for people that are far from God. I wouldn't be doing this right now if I didn't actually care about your soul and your well-being. I'm called to be a father because my heart breaks for the next generation. I believe the children are our future. That we should teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty. Trust me, i don't know when people are like I hate kids. I'm like you were one. <laughs> I love next generation. I love being a dad. It's one of my favorite things to do because I literally believe my heart breaks for the next generation when I go into these schools, man. And I hear these principals tell me the things that are happening to their kids. It breaks my heart. That's the only reason we're here right now. We could have rented another facility. We moved in here after we heard about the heartbreaking tragedies that were happening in here. Students literally killing other students? That breaks my heart. So I said, well, we gonna set up shop in the school. Because I believe if we set up here, something we do on Sunday is gonna translate throughout the rest of the week. And I know that sounds cute to say, but I got the evidence because literally a teacher here, her name is Sabrina, she goes to Cool Church, she just literally told me that she had a conversation with AP Bergeron, the assistant principal of this school, and she literally said, ever since you guys have been here, There's something different about the atmosphere in this school. I don't know about you, but if something is crazy and something is messed up, it must mean that you need to step in. Because when you step in, you bring the atmosphere of God with you. And it does not matter how crazy the world is. When you step into the world, the world literally has to shift and change because you're standing in it. If you believe it, say amen. This place is different because we're here. Because our heart breaks for it. I'm called to have a healthy marriage. Because my heart breaks when I see what broken families do to people. I've seen broken families destroy people. I'm going to stay with this girl forever. And if you leave me, I'm going with you. Just to prove a point that there is nothing we can't work out when we choose to do it together. God is the head of our marriage. So we fight for it because we want our baby girl to see what a healthy family looks like. My heart breaks. When people tell me, oh, I ain't, my daddy wasn't there, it breaks my heart. My mom moves wow, that breaks my heart. These kids are doing what they're doing because they're seeing things in their house that are not conducive to the love of God. We wonder why their identities all messed up. The place that should be affirming them is destroying them. I'm called to be an encourager because my heart breaks for people with no hope. Man, you just don't know what I've been through. You're right, I don't, but it could always get better. But you know how sad it is to live with no hope? There's people in this world just depressed and they see no way out. And I'm gonna keep on saying that when you get to the lowest of low, it ain't nowhere else to look but up. Just look, man. If it can't get any worse than this, then that means it can only get better. I'm a glass half full kind of guy. Because I'm believing that it's always better, that the best is yet to come in Jesus' name. My heart breaks for people with no hope. See, what am I trying to tell you about prayer in this space? That the heart of the person has to precede the heart of the prayer. You can't pray, you can't pray broken prayers until your heart is first broken. You can't pray about something that you are not broken up over, and I love Nehemiah, because he literally is, te- he's like, man, I was so beat up by it, I cried and I fasted about it, man. It, it broke my my heart. But here's what I love about Nehemiah, because some people, like, you know, they have, they have like, they, they have like sympathy for people. That's so bad, on and then they flip the channel. <laughs> you know, some people you have empathy, it's like, ah. I feel. Oh, I feel. I feel something. I want to do something, but then they still turn the channel. Yeah. But then there's these people with compassion. Yeah. Their heart breaks, and like, I gotta do something about that. And they actually go and do it. See, I, I, I want to be the person that, when my heart breaks, it breaks me to action. Yeah. And and th- this is this this is what Nehemiah does, because he tells you how sorrowful he is, and then literally spends the first chapter telling you the prayer that he prayed because he couldn't just stay broken about it he had to do something about it i love this because the heart of the person to proceed the heart of the prayer nehemiah goes directly from a place of brokenness to a place of prayer listen men and women of god we pray about everything at all times we pray about if prayer isn't a daily part of your life you're not doing this right there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it's, it leads to death. I'm telling you, if you want to live this Christian life properly, you need to learn how to pray. You really need to learn how to pray. This is why I love what Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, we're going to say that all together, but in situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer is not only a last line of defense. Prayer should be your first resort. After your heart breaks, the first thing you need to do is pray. Don't just sit there with a broken heart, what can I do, pray. My prayers move mountains in the name of Jesus, with the faith the size of a mustard seed. You only know I mean? like I love I love Jesus because it's like, man, the, the prerequisites ain't even a lot. You just need a little bit of faith to pray. You need a little bit, and a little bit can do a lot. It can move a, it can move a mountain. Like, first, first line of defense. Is prayer. I love this because when Nehemiah finally prays, he prays with a posture of a servant praying for other servants. Before we ever hear Nehemiah's prayer, we see his heart. Here's the heart of a servant. It's a servant praying for other servants. You said, What are you talking about? Look at Nehemiah 1:6. It says, This is what he prays to God. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer, your what? Is praying before you today and night for your? The people of Israel. You hear a servant's prayer as he is praying for other servants. What is that telling me and teaching me? If you want to pray something great for God, your personal aspirations better not be at the center of it. You need to pray with a servant's heart. See, are you praying to build a church to build you or to build God's people? Are you praying to grow your influence so that people see you? Or are you praying so that when they see you, they see God? Are you praying to build your business for your personal legacy? Or are you praying to leave a legacy of generosity that builds the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven? I want to leave something for my kids. Yeah, I also want to leave something for the kingdom. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a businessman. I mean, I, I like to make money. If you like to make money, you can cheer for that. If you like to make money, say amen. But if it's all just coming back to me to buy a bunch of stuff I can't take to the hole with me, what is the point of that? I never seen a U-Haul hooked up to a hearse. Ah, I need more, ah, more stuff, more stuff, more stuff. For oh, what? I'm not saying it's wrong to have nice things. I like nice things. But if all I'm doing is trying to build me and not God's kingdom, I've missed it. I've missed this entire thing. I have to build something on earth as it is in heaven. I want the things that I build to be eternal. And keep your petty prayers to yourself. Because. I believe that God desires to build things on earth as they are in heaven with people with the right heart. People hear me say stuff like petty prayers and then they come on Facebook and the Bible say pray about all things. I already read that verse. Well, what I'm telling you is no matter what you pray for, you better pray for it with the right heart. Because if, it, if, if all you're praying for is to bless you, you've missed it. And you're probably wondering why your prayers ain't effective. Bible says the prayers of the righteous why because they pray with the right heart secondly pray with honesty this is a hard one for some of us pray with honesty Nehemiah verse 1 excuse me chapter 1 the second part of verse 6 through 8 6 through 8 6b through 8 Nehemiah 1 6b through 8 I love this so he, he goes from praying a servant's prayer to bless other servants. We see his heart in the first part of the prayer. You see, what, what do we see in the second part of the prayer? I love this. It's so good. He says, I love this. I confess. So the second part with a confession. Yeah. I confess the sins we Israelites. He didn't say, I confess the sins of them. You see them people over there, God. So I confess the sins of We. We. We, the Israelites, including, in, in case you weren't like like aware, you know, with the we, in, in case that that wasn't inclusive enough for you, including myself and my father's family, I'm taking my whole family down with me. All us got an issue. All us got problems. Says I confess the sins we, the Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. This man giving a whole confession in his prayer. It says, we have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and the laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you amongst the nations. Not only is he admitting that he was wrong, he admitted he know why he's wrong. He knew exactly what he did wrong because you already told us that if we don't listen, we're gonna be in exile. So he's admitting that he knows that he did something stupid willfully. I I, 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 I love this. I love what Nehemiah does when he prays. Because it doesn't take him long to pray without having a very honest moment with God. He prays and confesses. He gets honest really quick. And I love prayer because prayer is the place men and women, brothers and sisters, family, that we get to confess and repent of things that the one who can actually do something about it can hear us when we pray them. That could bless somebody's life if they really received that. Like when you pray to God, you're praying to the one who has the power to change it. You're praying to the one that has the ability to, 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 to actually fix the situation that you find yourself in. But he's looking for you to be honest with him. And it's stupid. It's like, you got to be honest, like, but you also have to know, like, this is why it doesn't make sense to lie to God. He knows anyway. Some, some of y'all like, like, like trying to pray and like dance around what you did to God like, like if you say it in the right way, he ain't going to figure it out. You know, God. I you know I had a late night last night. Didn't feel good about it. You know, stayed at somebody's house. Probably shouldn't have. You know, you know, I did. A little, my chill was too hard on my Netflix and chill, God. But I'm sorry. He's like, God, no, you had sex with that person. Why, why are you, Why are you trying to smooth it out like he don't know? He, he was He was like, wow. He's like, it's so bad, I can't even look at it. His eyes cannot look upon what? Sin. Just give me your Bible with the jokes. God knows what you did. I know what you did last summer. He knows. He knows. So why, why are you trying to dance around what you do with him? Like some of y'all are more honest with people than you are with God. Let me drink this water. I wish this was tea so I could sip it. Like, I know, <laughs> let me just ask you a quick question. Don't tell nobody the answer. Who are you confessing to? <laughs> so I want you to take like a little inventory. Like in the last week, who did you confess to? Who are you confessing to? Like, if, if you've ever been detained by law enforcement, I love law enforcement. Shout out to Tiff, I love you girl. You're awesome. (laughs) Hey, they be looking out, they be looking out. If you've ever been detained by law enforcement, there is something that they will say to you once they detain you. They say that you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You're saying Pastor Terrence, you know that verbatim, why? (laughs) I'm from Carroll City, but y'all need to get all the thoughts about me out of your head. I have a clean record. I am a spotless lamb in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you something. I ain't breaking no laws, because I know I ain't built for prison. I'm too pretty for prison. (laughs) I ain't going. That ain't my ministry. That ain't my ministry. God don't send me that. I don't want it. No. No. Not built for it. A Red. No. Mm -hmm. I'm not built for it. Not my ministry. Not my ministry. So I follow all the laws. But I watch a lot of TV. So I've heard that a lot. (laughs) A lot of law and order. Gung, gung. Sorry. Some of y'all know what that's from. You have the right to remain what? Because anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. I know some Christians that could benefit a lot from that practice. I do. Like they could benefit a, a whole lot from that practice because some of us confess stuff to people we have no business confessing to and wonder why your business is so doggone messy. You don't put all your stuff out there for the wrong people. Like you confess stuff about your marriage to fake friends that will use it against you because they've been waiting to see your marriage fail. Girl, he said, she like, mm, let me see the tea today because mm, I actually really want him for myself. I ain't going to tell her that. Got quiet. You confess stuff about your God ideas to people that don't want to see you win. They just waiting to catch you sleeping so they could take your ideas and use it for themselves. Don't be telling everybody what God's trying to do in you. You could testify and tell people what God brought you out of, but man, if you put a God idea on your spirit, you make sure that you are very careful about who you talk to about that thing. They took my idea, you told them. Hmm. Confess stuff about the struggles in your walk to somebody that will only feel better about their struggles to use yours against you to tear you down to build themselves up. They got some fake religious piety over you now because they believe that their struggles are less than yours when sin is sin is sin is sin. sin. People use it to feel better about themselves. Huh. You confess stuff on social media. You confess stuff on social media to a mob of trolls <laughs> that are looking to use any information against anybody to validate their ridiculous opinions and worldviews. Don't be mad at them. You gave them ammo to work with. Like I, it, 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 is, it is beyond me how people put their whole life on blast in an Instagram or Facebook post. It is big, and then get mad. Why they all on me? You, 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 You wanna limit your comments. We didn't wanna hear your drama, now you don't wanna hear what we gotta say about it? I ain't ask you for all that. It's Monday morning, I wake up, I ain't ask you for that. So you mad when somebody got something to say about it. They're cyber bullying me. You gave them something to bully. Don't say nothing. Be careful what you confess to people because people can use your confession to have power over you. But see, this, this is why I confess all that I am to who god is every mistake every misstep every crazy thought to god because he can judge me for it but because i've accepted jesus christ as my lord and savior although he can judge me for it he does not he don't make me feel bad about it he doesn't make me feel guilty about it he doesn't make me feel less than about it i feel encouraged when i tell him because At the end of the day, I want to stop doing those things that displease him because I want to make him proud. Him knowing holds me to a higher standard. It doesn't allow me to go on and be the person that I have always been. I I, I love it because when he looks at us, if we believe in him, he does not see us for our mistakes. He does not see us for our issues. He does not see us for our missteps. All he sees is his son. All you have to have is a broken and repentant heart. So here's that verse again. Psalms fifty-one, seventeen. My sacrifice, oh God, is a broken spirit. We talked about that. And a broken and contrite heart. God will not despise. Contrite literally means repentant. I'm not just confessing to confess. I'm confessing to repent. Repent literally means to about face. Turn away from. I'm not saying it so I get it off my chest and I go back and do it again tomorrow. I'm saying it because I don't want to be that person anymore. God won't despise that. Like, listen, some of y'all confessing and you're going back to the same nonsense. If you confess, you actually have to try to be different. Like, God will never despise a person that's trying. You might not get it right, but he wants to know that you're actually actively trying. Trying. God, I, I, you know, God, went to that strip club last night. I was at the office, God. And Lord, I wasn't getting no work done, Lord. Lord, like, don't go back next week, man. Like, you, you gotta, like, try to stay out of there. Like, you, like listen, listen, I ain't got my keys on me, but, like, this is what I always say. Like, when you, when, if there's a place that you like to go and you know you shouldn't be there, this is what you need to do. Take your keys. This is why you need a Bible. Put them in your Bible. Close it. That way, next time you want to go to a strip club, you gotta go through God's word before you go there. You gonna pull out your keys to go be nasty? You pull out your keys like this. Lord. You feel the fire coming off. You all here doing all kinds of nasty stuff. <laughs> Before you start texting, sexting or whatever, else, oh, Lord Jesus, I got to take this OnlyFans account down. That's <laughs> how you know about that. I know the interest of that. <laughs> I'm staying away from all that stuff. Y'all play too much, I'm trying to preach. Somebody out there getting healed. Like be honest brother, I know. Whoever said that, we (laughs) here. Huh. God looking for a a, a repentant heart. You can't just say I'm sorry and then just go right back to the same stuff. You actually have to like like try. There needs to be like some authenticity. Some, some honesty when you pray because God God, man this is where a lot of people get it wrong and I just want to say this to clear the air God does not want you to speak to him like you got it all together right. yeah. people that don't pray because they want to sound like, like when Yari prays it sounds so beautiful oh my gosh I, I felt like she was preaching while she was praying you ain't got to preach to pray yeah. that's how she prays because that's who she is yeah. you talk to have a normal conversation with her like she could be real chill but man she could jump into the spirit real quick my wife is the same way man super prophetic Oh my God, she could be real chill with you, but boy, she could drop a word on you at any moment, and she prays that way. Not because she's trying to be Pastor Joe, it's because it, it is an authentic expression of who she is when she prays. Like, who is this fake Christianese praying person you trying to be? You blessed and highly favored in every prayer, but you don't know what blessed or highly favored actually means, you just it just sounds good. You decreeing and declaring everything. Yeah. What are you decreeing? You, what was it? I decree and I, de- I do declare. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, man, you know me. I ain't. You know me, man. I ain't got it together. I'm too prideful most times. A lot of times, my mouth gets me in trouble. Because cause like I, I, as much as I hear, think before I speak, I speak before I think. Like God, God, God wants you to give him your authentic you. Your, your, your honest self. But if, if, if you think, I just want to help somebody because some people just don't pray because they're like, oh, oh, I have to pray like, oh, our thy father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thine kingdom come. Thine, what is a thine? <laughs> God, I went again. I, man, I really wish, man, I should deal with Pastor T said and put my phone and my keys and my I was tripping, but I just, I had, I had a moment, man. Help me stop having moments. Like when I think about going there, God, help me pick up my word and start reading who you are so I can stay out of places like that. Like, you don't have to have a fancy Christianese prayer, man. Yeah. This, is, this is not the guy who, I don't even know who made that stuff up. Right. Like, God gave you language. He gave you vernacular, the speech of the common man, for you to speak to him the way that you speak to him. Yeah. Don't try to speak to him the way you hear somebody else speak to him. I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm, listen, I'm not trying to take fire or thunder or not validate the way other people pray. They pray that way because they feel like they need to pray that way, but you need to pray the way that you feel like you need to pray because God will hear you because he made you. I, I, I love this because after Nehemiah has this honest moment, look at what he does. We're almost there. Nehemiah 1.9, he says, after he repents, he, I love this, after he repents, he recalls a promise from God. But if you return to me, and obey my command. He's like, God, I messed up, my family messed up, all the Israelites messed up. We we messed up bad. But you said, if you return to me and obey my commands, I want somebody to hear this and put this in their spirit because it could bless you today, that even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, underline that, the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to a place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. What's God saying? I don't care how far you are. Because the truth of the matter, never ever forget this family. Where there is repentance, there is redemption. There is nobody in this entire room that is too far from God. I don't care how many sexual partners you have had. I don't care how many drugs you have done. I don't care how many times you have gotten divorced or remarried. I don't care how how bad your language may be. I don't care what you have done. The people you have downcast, the people you have abused, the people you have done wrong or stabbed in the back, nothing you have done is too far for God to save you from. As long as you have a repentant heart because there is always redemption where there is repentance. I thank God that he saved me from some of the furthest places I ever traveled to. All I got to have is a repentant heart. Pray with honesty. And finally, pray with the right heart. Pray with honesty. Pray for success. Man, if you ain't shouting right there, I don't even know what to tell you. See, <laughs> the, fir- the first two was like you doing an internal inventory. The last one is to release something. The first two was in. The last one is out. Pray for success. This is my glass half full part right here. Nehemiah 1, 10 through 11 They are your servants and your people. So after he reminds God of his promise that says that there's no far place that we could go that we can't come back from if we're if we're honest with him. Then he says they are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great strength and mighty hand Lord. Lord. Let your ear be attentive to the prayers of this your servant and the prayers of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success. What? This is like one of the greatest prayers in the Bible. My voice had to change octaves to let you know. Give your servant success today. By granting him favor in the presence of this man. This man was the king he was talking about. God, I need success when I step to the king. I need need success. This is hilarious. He says that and then says, I was the cupbearer to the king. Why you just had to say that? You say this big, great. God gave you success for the king. I was a cupbearer to the king. Like what, what, what's, what's going on there with, with, with Nehemiah? Why, why does he have to give us that reminder that he was a cupbearer to the king? I mean, think about this. He was the cupbearer going to ask the king to rebuild the walls of a fallen city. The cupbearer? Oh, some of y'all don't know what a cupbearer is. Okay. The offer of cupbearer, this is Nehemiah's office, put him in close and confidential proximity and contact with the king as the cupbearer. One of Nehemiah's responsibilities and duties was to guard anyone from poisoning the king. So he had to make sure what was in that cup was right. You know, you see the movies with the cupbearers and they got a taste and then they <laughs> bring a new cupbearer in. He had to make sure that nothing that the king wasn't supposed to have, if anybody was trying to attack the king internally, he had to protect him from it and and he said man that's a that's a terrible position I got to put my life on the line for this man like I got I got to make sure like he's he's good I I I love this because Nehemiah goes from cupbearer to governor he goes from cupbearer how does this happen how does how does he go from cupbearer to governor I, I love this because verse 11 he says, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant, the prayers of your servants. Give your servant success today in the favor, in the presence of this man. Here's the thing about Nehemiah his office didn't influence his position, his prayer did. Some of you think you can't even approach certain people because of your office. I could stand in front of kings. I'm intimidated by no one. A a lowly pastor could stand next to city officials because I'm a giant in the kingdom. I ain't scared of nobody. What, What could you do to me? The most you could do is say no. And then I'll just ask again because I'm going to go through all the no's till I get the yes. What, What could you do to me? You might be the king, but you ain't God. That's who I work for. That's who I report to. So though my earthly position may seem low, my office and my position is not dictated by man. It is dictated by my prayers. I'm praying that things are on earth as they are in heaven. If I'm a giant in heaven, then I got some big shoes to walk in on earth. I ain't got to fear anybody. And I'm going to keep stepping to the people that need to be stepped to. Because though they may seem like a giant in the physical, how many of you know that we serve the God that slays giants regularly? Nehemiah didn't allow his office to dictate his position before he goes to see the king, even in fear. He's like, I ain't gonna lie, I'm scared. But God, before I see him, help me. He didn't let his office influence his position. His prayer did. So it didn't matter if he was a cupbearer. It doesn't matter what position you have. Teacher, sanitation worker, neurosurgeon, government official, administrative assistant, executive assistant, that sounds even fancier. United States postal worker. Your position don't give you big shoes. Your prayer does. Your prayer does. Nehemiah was a cupbearer and it was his job To make sure that nobody poisoned the king so we had to inspect everything that was put in the cup of the king and he personally had to pass the king the cup if there was poison in that cup and he did not catch it for whatever reason his life would be in jeopardy because if the king died he would have died too because he did not do his job properly as a matter of fact he would have been the prime suspect in the murder because they like how you ain't catch it was the cupbearer. Let me ask you a question. I thought this was funny when I I read it and I thought about it. Holy Spirit just asked me this question. He said, Terrence, if you were a cupbearer, what do you think you would pray for every day? Nehemiah was praying for success to talk to the king, but if I'm the cupbearer, I ain't praying for success. I'm praying for survival. Lord if this cup can pass from me take it but if not my will, your will y'all need to read your Bible more it's a good Bible joke your will be done every time I touch the cup I'm like God please please Lord let me survive this one God let the king live so I can live God help the king live If I was Nehemiah, I'd be praying for survival. But I love Nehemiah because I want to change the way some of y'all pray today. I love Nehemiah. He did not pray for survival. He prayed for success. He prayed for survival. He prayed for success. And the word for this season that I hope that somebody is already caught in their spirit We are past the season of survival. In this season, we need to pray to God for success. I pray success on your jobs. Promotion in Jesus' name. I pray success in your business. New clients in Jesus' name. I pray success for your health. No more medication necessary in Jesus' name. I pray success for your marriage, happy and enduring homes in Jesus' name. I pray success on your house hunt, home ownership, over somebody's life in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray success for your kids, good grades, and a God identity in Jesus' name. I pray success as a single. I pray right now that you know who you are even without a boo in Jesus' name name i pray success in your finance debt cancellation i pray success over your past broken bondages broken strongholds i pray success in your christian walk growing maturing, god day by day i don't want to just get through stuff in life i don't want to just survive stuff in life i want to have success in life because with my god all we do is win 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 No matter what, if you believe it, in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. I ain't out here to struggle. I ain't out here to survive. I want to thrive. I want to win. I want to have success in the mighty name of Jesus. But here's the key. Nehemiah is not just praying, God, make it better. He's praying, God, use me to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Nehemiah 2 4 through 5. The king said to me, What is it you want? Then what did he do? He prayed. I prayed to God of the heavens. And I answered the king right after that. King, what you want, Nehemiah? Lord, it's now or never. He looks at the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me. He said, King, send somebody to fix the wall. No, if it pleases the king, send me. I'm the answer to my own prayer. Send me. I ain't waiting on somebody else to go do it. Send me. I ain't waiting for somebody else to give me favor. Send me. I ain't waiting on somebody else for a blessing. Send me. I ain't waiting on somebody else to fix it. Send me. Send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Nehemiah was not waiting around for somebody to be the answer to his prayer he knew that God gave him everything he needed to be his own answer to prayer don't just pray for success step through your fear do whatever you need to do to do what God has called you to do because if your vision or mission is truly from God it cannot fail you will win in Jesus name and I love the response of the king as I close Nehemiah 2.6 then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me how long will your journey take and when will you get back I love this it pleased the king to send me so I set the time it ple... He was scared to ask the king. It pleased the king to send him. It pleased the king. Let me tell you something. Men and women of God, hear this as it pertains to your prayers. When you pray God's will, he will move heaven and earth to make it happen. (laughs) Kings don't stand a chance against a prayer aligned with God's will. Like, It didn't say the king begrudgingly sent him. The king, in all his anxiety, was scared to lose his cupbearer, his protector. No, 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 no. It pleased the king. It pleased the king. Kings don't stand a chance. I don't care how big the obstacle or the opposition is, they don't stand a chance when you start praying God's will in your life. When you stop praying your will. And you start praying God's will and you pray, God, not my will, your will be done. What is the point of prayer? To align your will with God's will. That's how you always get what you want from God. What will he wants. Nehemiah wanted to rebuild something for God and God wanted that too. So he used Nehemiah to do it. God gets behind you when you submit your will to Him. What does Jesus have to do with any of this? Today, you may find yourself stuck because your will and God's will are different. The only way to get on the same page with God is to do what Jesus did, even to the cross. He said, God, not my will. Your will be done. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross, but he prayed so that God will give him the strength and give him the will to accomplish the will of the Father, which was one sacrifice for many, one sacrifice that would give us access. You say, how do I get access to what Jesus Christ did on the cross to save me? You gotta submit your will. My prayers ain't working, Pastor. Submit your will. Things ain't going the way that I wanted to go in life. Submit your will. I wanna be more like Jesus, but it's hard staying out that club. Submit your will. Because if you submit your will to Jesus, and your will becomes God's will, He will answer that prayer every single time. So many of us have a hard life when God, Jesus said in John 10:10, 10, 10, this is the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. You want to walk in that abundant life? Submit your will. Submit your will to God submit yourself. How do I submit myself? That sounds so spiritual. I don't even know how to do that. I just walked in church for the first time. And you asking me to submit. Surrender your life to Jesus. His one and only son that died on a cross and when he was on that cross, all the sin of the world got put on him. Past, present, and future. Your sin, my sin got put on him. And the reason I could stand with my chin up, shoulders back, and head held high is that even when I sin now, my broken repentant heart longs to be better because I've submitted my personal will to God a long time ago. Today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you may be in this place today. You say, "God, I'm finally ready to submit my will." All it takes is a prayer. <laughs> Bible says in Romans 10:9, "If you confess, don't confess to man, if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart he was raised from the dead, you're saved. That's how you submit your will. Submit it to Jesus, and he will change you from the inside out. All over this room, and everybody watching online, if you're out there and you say, I'm ready to submit my will to Jesus once and for all, I want to know that I know that I know that I am aligned with what he wants me to do in my life. I want to align my will with his. My will is done. I want to give it all to him no more games no more running no more acting like i'm doing it right knowing i'm doing wrong i really want to submit everything to jesus today on the count of three if that's you i want you to raise your hand don't look around this ain't listen listen this between you and g listen if you're worried about somebody else submitting they will or seeing you submit yours you missed it this is about you and god no one else on the count of three, you want to submit your will to Jesus. Once and all, I want you to raise your hand. Maybe you've never done it. Maybe you did it before, but you've been running. It's time to get for real. Submit your will to Him. On the count of three, raise your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it. One, two, three. Hold it up. Don't be scared. I see you and 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 you. and you. I said all those yous because I want you to know that you're not alone. Here's the hard Listen, here's the hard part. You already got your hand raised. You already standing up and there's people, I have done this a million times myself until one day it clicked like hey, Jesus is already carrying it I've submitted it and it's on him so if your hand's up and you want to submit fully, this is the hard part Jesus says, if you deny me before man I'm going to deny you in front of my father don't deny him any longer, on the count of three if you raise your hand and you want, come down right now let me pray for you, here we go, one, two, three, come come, come, don't wait, come, come I said all those you so you know you are not alone come, come Come, 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 wherever you are, come. Submit. Submit your will to Jesus. The They'll change you from the inside out. Come, I want to pray for you. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the to, wants to you. We family, so you never gotta do anything alone. First of all, clap for these folks, cause that's brave and that's bold. If you out there and you're like, man, I wanted to come, but it's kind of scary, Pastor. I ain't going to front. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, hey, if you're scared, I'll go with you. If they say, yeah, grab them by the hand and walk them down here real quick. One, two, three, go. Go. I just want to see. Skip. We're a family. Nothing to be ashamed of. There's already people here. Nothing to be ashamed of. I just want to make sure. I want to make sure. I want to make sure. Five, four, three, two, one. Beautiful. Reach your hands towards them. Maybe you want to reach your hands up. You say, why? Just submit your will. You coming? Praise God for you. Praise God. It's never too late. Never too far. Never too late. Never too late. I want everybody to confess and believe with me. If you're online, do the same thing. Confess and believe. Pray it. But when you pray it, don't just say it. Mean it. In your heart, because God knows your heart. He wants prayers with the right heart. He wants prayers that are honest. And I promise you, if you pray that way, you will be successful. In Jesus' name, everybody say, "Dear Jesus, I've sinned. I'm not proud of it, but I admit it. Today, I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness and take the place of my sin." I ask that you would accept me, Lord, and to your wonderful family. Today, today, I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, if you said that and you meant that, there's something new on the inside. The Bible says when one comes back to the Father, there's a celebration god literally is clapping celebrating singing your praises because you have come home and i'm so proud of you but i wish i could open up the ceiling and show you i can't show you that party but i can help you hear what it sounds like so the family y'all gonna help me right on the count of three they about to cheer for you louder than i'm gonna cheer for the dolphins louder than i'm gonna cheer for the heat this year louder than anything because that's what's happening in heaven right now see that sign My guy Tim's holding it up, says welcome to the family. That's what you are. So in a sec, they're gonna cheer. You're gonna walk that way. Family, they're gonna be right in the courtyard out of the rain. From Carroll City, I got hands. I told y'all, I don't miss. (laughs) I wanna give you this. There's a Bible in here. There's a WWJD bracelet, a letter from me and Joe and some other cool stuff just for you. So I gift to you. I wanna make sure you get that. And um, if you got questions, because sometimes people make a decision like this and they still got a bunch of questions we got folks out there we ain't scared of your questions we don't even know the answers to all of your questions but God does and we believe that he'll guide us and lead us to give you the proper revelation that you're looking for amen so on the count of three y'all cheer y'all gonna walk that way you ready? here we go one, two, three let them know God loves them let them know they're amazing let them know they're sons and daughters let them know they are blessed let them know come on Turn it for good. Somebody worship him in this place today. Come on. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.